Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday mailbag edition. He's Andrew Page. I'm Scott Phillips. Welcome around. How are you, mate? I'm very good, sir. How are you? I'm exceptionally well, thank you very much. Um, here's the man of straws, of course, the man who runs, who started, whose brainchild was strawman.com, who actually gets a call out in next week's Good Oil episode. I forgot to mention that to you oh, on Friday, cool. mate. My, my guest mentioned you. Oh, favourably, I hope. Mentioned, mentioned, the, mentioned the company. Yes, I think it was. I think it was. In passing, unprompted by me, no product placement, no money change. Well, as far as I know, no money change hands. Maybe I should ask you. Maybe maybe there was some sort of subliminal something going on. But uh, you, are, you, are making, you are making waves, mate. You are reaching the masses and you're doing a wonderful job of it. Oh, you're very um, kind. But, but tell me exactly what Strawman is again. We're an investment club, as you well know. <laughs> um, but we do it all But online. not just an investment club. You're a private investment we club, I think. We are a private investment club. Yeah. You see it in my brain? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All absolutely. online? Okay, absolutely. Nice. We're not trained. We're, we're sort of going for quality over quantity. So we could probably have 50 million users and that'd be great, but I'd, I'd rather sort of the more. Could you? Yeah. Could no, you really have 50 million Well, users? Maybe, maybe not 50 million users. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> There's there's uh, there's 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 plenty of businesses that uh, at the end of the day you know it's it's got to be delivering value to our members and it's not just I about like it, you know like nice it. metrics that you can quote to a VC. <laughs> it's got, and and you are you are never going to be a, a dot com unicorn if you say we're not we don't want more members. Yeah, but it's, it's you cool. You get with, with the program, dude. It's got to be world domination. It's got to be you know a total addressable market of eighty four gudrillion possible users. Uh, maybe I'm missing a trick, but it's not, you know, I'm not going that way. <laughs> I like it, mate. Well done. Well done. Well done. And of course, you know The Motley Fool is an investment advisory business that provides investment advice for individual investors. So that's out of the way. We've, we've I was going to say, we've made our respective bosses happy. I guess you have made Mrs. Page happy. <laughs> you have, to some degree, made your boss happy and certainly mine is happy that I've mentioned our business as well. Mate, let's, uh, let's move on from gratuitous plugs. Although actually, I'm going to start off with a gratuitous plug. Okay. Uh, I haven't for a little while specifically asked for questions for the mailbag. And we've got enough, so we're good. But if you want your question answered, if you've got something that's burning before we get into the content or even after we get into the content, please send us those questions. Now, you can follow us on all the socials, but the best way to do or get, to get your question answered is to either email it to us at info, I-N-F-O, pretty straightforward, info at fool.com.au. You can hit us up on socials, direct message me at TMFScottP on Twitter or the same address on Instagram, or jump onto Facebook and just go to Scott Phillips Money. You can use the Motley Fools accounts as well because I, I run both of those, at least when it comes to the um, what we call in the trade the organic content. Someone else does the, the ads, uh, but I do the uh, most of the, the, the posting. So, um, yeah, you'll get us on any of those things. If you've got any questions, comments, feedback, stuff you've always wanted to know, stuff you've never wanted to know but it's just occurred to you, um, we are the place to come. Uh, as I've said regularly over the... Well, it's been five years. I think it's been five years, this podcast now, mate. I should go back and check. Um, as I said, for those years, um, it's, it's, this show doesn't exist unless you listen to it and unless we're answering questions that you find interesting. So we'd love to, rather than talk, talk amongst ourselves, to actually be talking to you about the things you care about. So let us know. Um, disappointingly, Ram, there is a Bitcoin question. <laughs> So. It's very, it's hot right now. So oh, hot right oh, now. So hot right now. So hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the first time in your life you've been so hot right now? <laughs> Pretty much. Because I've never been there. I, don't, I own $100 worth of Bitcoin, as you know, but um, I, I've never been so hot right now. Well, it's going to be worth more than 100 now, right? I, I assume so. Again, I can't sell it, as I've said before. I will find my phone and uh, surreptitiously check my Bitcoin value before we get to that question <laughs> so I can tell you. I have no idea what it's worth. Um, but yes, uh, you, you mentioned to me on Friday 
Uh, is it a record price or near record price? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Record? But yeah, it is. But okay. I, I, like, I'm certainly not going to do a victory lap. I've, I've said repeatedly, this this thing could drop by fifty percent tomorrow. I, I would shrug my shoulders. It, it could totally happen. It, it is hyper hyper volatile. So, yeah. It, it, it's nice that it's there. It's been there before and fallen away. Who knows what's going to happen in the short term? Anything could happen. But it's it's Everybody it's though, you yeah. know I, I'm, I'm more likely to want to talk about it when it's at a record high. But uh, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> yeah, funny you didn't mention it for a while. Eh? I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not get into it. You, you I'm, I'm uh, you, you're tempting me, but yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Good, because I was going to catch you off if you tried. Yeah. Uh, let's, get, let's go to the questions we've got uh, from our listeners, mate. The first question is uh, an interesting one. Uh, it's from Bottle on Twitter. Uh, Bottle refers to me as Phyllis. I'm not sure whether he means Phillips or whether it was just too hard to call me Phyllis uh, or he likes that. I'm not entirely sure. He's hi, Phyllis and Pagey. <laughs> Bottle, I'm going to assume that's not a, a criticism. I've got a quick question for the mailbag potty. Potty is what the cool kids call podcasts, around, just in case you're wondering. I, I know these things. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Bottle says, is there any website or portal available? You can enter ETF tickers and see if there's a crossover between the two. Keep well, fellas, from Bottle. Bottle, there is. Um, you got to pay for it. And it's by a, a somewhat competitor of ours, not that we really care too much about that. Uh, Morningstar is the business. And apparently it has a thing called a uh, portfolio X-ray Something, something, I don't know. Uh, where apparently you can put in the tickers and it will actually spit out that, that information. So you can, um, I believe you've got to pay to be a member of Morningstar to get access to it. So feel free to do that if you want to. Um, I'm not going to run down their business. I, I think they do a good job. I would say to you, you probably don't need it. Um, there, there, this, I was going to say there's two lots of people. There's always two lots of people in this world, Andrew. And whatever topic we're talking about, some who just need to know, right? <laughs> they need to know that Amazon.com is 18.4369% of their portfolio and need to know that BHP is 2.589% of their portfolio and so on and so forth. I have to say, and Amazon, given I just mentioned it. Um, and uh, by the way, if you want to find my holdings, go to my Twitter profile and click on the link there. It's probably the easiest way rather than me saying it every time. I probably will because it's kind of, I'd rather over-disclose and under. Uh, but if you ever are wondering, you can get it there. Um, so they're up there, Spill. I, I love that. If, you, if that's you, go for it. Like, knock yourselves out. Generally speaking, you're kind of going to roughly know what's going on. But here's the other thing. You can't over-allocate your portfolio by adding two lots of the same company because you're adding more money at the same time, mm. right? So here's the thing. If you buy the NASDAQ ETF with, with $100 and then you buy uh, another share of the NASDAQ ETF with another $100, Amazon's still the same share, right? You've got two separate transactions. If you buy Amazon, then the S&P 500, your, your share actually goes down because Amazon's a greater proportion of the NASDAQ ETF than is of the S&P 500 ETF. You've got two lots of it, but I, I don't know. I'm just going to make it up, mate. Let's say Amazon's 10% of the NASDAQ and 8% of the S&P 500. Then the weighting actually goes from 10 to 9. Mm. So even though you've got more of it, you've added more money in total. And so the proportional ownership actually goes down in that circumstance. Now, again, if you had the S&P 500, you add the NASDAQ, of course, you would expect it to go up. But it's not like it goes from 8% to 18% because you're not doubling the percentage. You're not adding the percentages together. You're averaging the percentages. Mm. So just, just worth, worth noting. I mean, I guess at some level, for you again, if you bought stuff, you weren't sure what you were buying, how much of it you were buying. If you're buying a tech ETF and a cybersecurity ETF and then a e-commerce ETF, I guess it's possible you have the same company three times. But again, even if you did, it'd be the average of those holdings rather than adding them together. And if that kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense, just think about the, the dollar values you're adding money. You're not taking the same 100 bucks and dividing that, adding more Amazon with the same money. You're adding more money to all the positions in the second ETF or the third ETF you buy. Mm. 
Does that make sense, Ram? Have I done a half decent job of explaining it? Can you improve on that? Yeah, no, I would. Uh, all I would add is that I, I think people. People, ETFs are great. We always say that they're, in general they're great. The broad-based index yes. tracking ETFs, that's generally my advice to family and friends unless you suck up yes. a punishment and you like going, <laughs> you like being a stock picker. Um, but but you, 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 you don't need to have 10 ETFs. Like one ETF and you're kind of like super – if you only had one or two ETFs yep. in your portfolio, I'd say you're extremely yep. well diversified, you know, yep. assuming they are some of the, the broader index tracking ones. So – I think I think Bottle's absolutely right in the sense that they probably want to know what the crossover is, so they exactly avoid that that scenario mm-hmm. of just unnecessarily yeah. sort of having two ostensibly different holdings. Oh, that's true. But okay. yeah, but, but you know, am I really actually doing much difference here in terms of my exposure? And that's that's that yeah. I would assume that's what they want to know. Um, yeah. But yeah, don't 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 overthink it. If if you decide oh, U.S. tech stocks seem really interesting to me, I'm bullish on all those big <laughs> names, then then buy a Nasdaq one. And then if you want something that gives you a difference, maybe in, in Asia or something like that, do that. That's perfectly yeah. sensible. Yeah. But having the S and P 500 ETF, the Nasdaq ETF, the Tech Leaders ETF, it's just like that's it's kind of unnecessary diversification. Yeah. And they yeah. will perform differently, but they probably won't perform massively differently over Slightly, a meaningful right. stretch of time. So yeah, keep it simple. There's probably no harm in having three separate ones either, mate, by the way, because as long as the fees are low on all of them, you make it unnecessary complex, but the complexity is not even that big a deal. Yeah. If I owned three different S&P 500 ETFs, I probably could. I could probably get one from iShares, one from BetaShares, and one from someone else, Vanguard. Um, I, I could actually own three of the exact same ETFs, but it wouldn't even even then it wouldn't cost me any because you get charged a percentage of the value. So, yeah, you know, go with the cheapest one. But if one's charging me 0. 0.04, 1.05, 1.06%, Having all three, as you say, completely useless to, to add them, but also no, no real. Oh yeah, not, I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't run away from that either. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But but it's just unnecessary in, in, in a lot of yeah. cases. That, that's that's my only point. I hadn't thought about that angle, mate. So I'm glad you brought it up. It's a it's a really really good one. Um, in terms of ETFs, if I was going to build an ETF portfolio, I think I'd probably grab uh, an Australian ASX 300 ETF, a US S and P 500 ETF. Uh, I should yeah maybe and that and then maybe an Asia ETF or I might just go ASX 300 plus a Vanguard global ETF and be done with it. Mm. Um, if you're going to build a portfolio just of ETFs, how few would you have, mate? Uh, yeah, two or three would probably do me. In fact, so I've, I've mentioned before, I don't invest directly in the US. I own Tesla yeah. shares, Amazon shares, Netflix shares through ETFs. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't pick it. And I've only, mm-hmm. I've only think I've got two different types that are in there. It gives me thousands of different companies, hundreds of different companies, yeah. say. Um, yeah. So I, I've, I've felt no need to sort of further diversify within that. Um, again, some people prefer very specific sector access, uh, uh, exposure, um, theme mm-hmm. exposure and that kind of – we sort of touched on that kind of stuff before and that, that's fine too if you want to go that mm-hmm. way. Um, but again, just have a clear idea of what what is what is it you're setting out to achieve and what how many instruments and, and securities you kind of need to achieve that. And the fewer the better more often than not, I would say. I like that. I think that's, I think that's a really good point. I, I wonder if – yeah, I think I think I think was, yeah, fewer is better almost by definition, just because it makes life easier, right? There's just there's just a sense of like don't don't overcomplicate, particularly if you are by definition trying to invest in ETS because you don't want to don't want to be involved. Um, the, the whole idea of actually you know then being more involved by trying to pick ETFs is almost the point. Almost the point, right? It's like don't don't do it. It's only it's only painful. So yeah, mate. Um, let's go to another question. This one's from I want to say Dylan. Let me double check that. It is from Dylan. Um, Dylan says, um, uh, where are we? Sorry, I lost it. Here we go. Uh, how are we, Scott and Andrew? We Good. are well, Dylan. Thank you for asking. Uh, many thanks for your priceless information and wisdom, as well as entertaining banter. Thank you, mate. Keep up the good work, he says. Question for the podcast, if you wouldn't mind answering. 
We don't at all, Dylan. Thank you. One can look at the financials of a company, he says, and research it as a whole. And we can decide whether it is a good company to invest in. Look at various metrics such as ratios, discounted cash flow, revenue forecasts, all help give insight into the direction in which the company is headed. My question is this, he says. Despite all of these indicators saying one thing, is it ultimately the market perception of said indicators which moves the share price, not the indicators itself? For example, a company may have a growing earnings per share, but that itself does not directly increase the share price. It's ultimately the perception of this increased EPS which causes more people to invest in it and brings up the share price. If this is the case, are we simply investing in a company which we hope others will one day share a similar view of? and thus enable them to invest in it? Should we worry our research is in vain as others may never view the company through the same lens? Thank you both for your time and knowledge from Dylan. I reckon this is one of the best questions we've ever had. It's an outstanding question. I love the way you thought through this entire component and our listeners know I love behavioural investing, behavioural economics, behavioural psychology generally. And you're exactly right, Dylan. You're saying there's the company and there's the market and nothing happens unless the market thinks it does. Mm. So are we wasting our time, Ram? Should we not just be trying to guess the market mood changes rather than bothering with the company itself? Uh, well, this comes back to sort of knowing what you're doing in terms of having a clear strategy. So if you're if you're mm. trying to invest, and it's not really investing, it's speculating. If you're speculating over a short <laughs> time frame, and I'd argue that anything yeah. less than a year is, is certainly a pure gamble. Um, that's you can look at all the metrics in the world. Time, you can understand the business <laughs> perfectly. You could have gone yep. through a massive deep dive. and doesn't mean the shares won't halve or double. Or any, yep. Anything can happen. And, and, and Dylan's absolutely right. It, it is Price is determined through the interaction of buyers and sellers and whatever they happen to, to want to pay. And a lot of the time that is influenced just entirely on their sentiment and sometimes they're in, they're in a very optimistic good mood, sometimes they're very scared in a very pessimistic mood and, and, and you, you, I'm of the firm view that you just can't predict that. It's, it's too complicated. What, what, is, what are people going to think en masse in 6, 12 even 24 months time I don't know I have no idea but I do know and this is that great saying that in the long term in the short term the market is a voting machine but in the long term it is a weighing machine and what yeah. you can say and what you can bank on with extreme high amount of confidence is that if if the company delivers long enough the market will eventually recognize it and I've, I've always challenged people to find me an example over a five-year period where a company has gone extraordinarily well and the share price hasn't broadly tracked that earnings per share figure. Yeah. It, you might yeah. find one or two examples where it was just ridiculously yeah. valued at the start. But generally speaking, that, that is, there is so much gravity there that, that it will mm. drag it mm. up. And mm. even though people might ignore that for a long time, even though you mm. can point to any number of PEs and ratios and rah, 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 who knows what they're going to think. But it will, it will out in the end. It, the, the market will recognise it. And that is that is that is one of the core skills of an investor is to to weather the storm in in between and wait <laughs> for that to be realised. And it, everyone so says true. they can, but it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard to sit there on something yeah. in three years. You know, you're, you're making a loss. Everything else is going mm -hmm. up. And you say, what am I missing? Like, everything says this is a good company, and yet yeah. and yet the market fails to agree with you. You look silly for a long, 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 long time. But that's where the money is made, frankly. And because when it does start to recognise it, well, you're in on the ground floor, and it's it's. it's it's not about it's not a we always talk about you know long term average of 10% per per annum on the market well it's not that it goes up 10% yeah. per year it could go down 20% stay flat and then go it's up 100% right. you know it's it's yeah. it's more the destination than the journey and as long as
long as as long as you've got a clear view on where that destination is, and the path mm. between there and here is is an attractive one, then do it. Mm. And and just mm. and just unfortunately, there's no easy way of saying it. But you've just got to be sanguine with the with with the ups and downs and the twos and fros and all the insanity that happens in between. Most people can't do it. Most people get really bad returns. Delicious grin and bear it, isn't it? You have to. Um, I'm I'm going to agree with that probably entirely. Um, and I think that's why it's worth being roughly right rather than precisely wrong, right? Because yep. whether you, whether the shares are 20, 25 or 30 cents today, if they're eventually $10, it's not going to matter. Yeah, no difference. And whether they're 9 10 or $11 by then also doesn't really matter. Yep. And so will the market ever completely agree with our view of valuation? Probably not because that's not the game you're playing. You're not saying it needs to be eventually $1.08 per share, otherwise I've made a mistake or I shouldn't invest in mm. I mean, if you buy at a dollar seventy, waiting for a dollar eight, well, good luck to you. So that's the other thing is, I wouldn't invest in anything. I thought the the range of outcomes was so tiny that I couldn't possibly make a dollar. Yeah. To Ram's point, and this is where honestly, I would say well, you, I've said this before, mate. You said this before. The growth covers a lot of valuation sense. Mm. because if you're if you're buying a company you think can grow three percent a year and it grows at two and a half, you might make money because the the range of outcomes in with the market finally does work out that growth has been slow but steady. Mm. Will the share price will go up over time on that basis, but but. You know, the range of outcomes are so tiny, if you get it slightly wrong, you're screwed. Mm. If you find an afterpay and you said at some point, look, that's probably worth somewhere five or 10 bucks and it might get to 120 bucks or so, that's all you needed to know. Mm. If you bought it eight or 10 or 12 and it went to 110, 20 or 30, it really didn't matter. And so that, that's, your, that's your broader point, right? Yeah. Eventually the market works it out. Um, it can be super volatile, by the way, and it, you can spend super long periods. I did some numbers uh, earlier this week, actually, and I... I, I'm not on, I'm not getting paid per Amazon mentioned by the way, but I did write it about Amazon. <laughs> you sure? Amazon was up threefold in the last five years, mm. 110 to 500 bucks, give or take. Um, uh, that's not right. Uh, whatever the numbers, yeah, whatever the numbers were. Um, a ton is the is the technical term. It's yeah, gone yeah up it was it was three and a half times. Mm. Uh, but if you looked at that, there were four distinct time periods. The first time period was about six months. The shares were up. There wasn't no five years. It was over two and a half years. The shares were up about eighty percent. Mm. Then they went nowhere for a year and a half, up like 3%, I think. Mm. And then they went up another 70%. And then the last 12 months, they've gone down 5%. Mm. And so you had to live through periods where this hugely overhyped, overpriced stock, everyone's telling you to sell, went nowhere. And you're like, oh my God, they're right. Mm. And then it was like a six-month period, it went up 70%. Another six-month period went up 80% yeah. over that entire two and a half or three years. And so it's really, it's just, it's just a really, really important thing to know that, to your point, Ram, not only do you have to wait sometimes for it to happen, but it can go the wrong way for period, long periods oh, of yeah. time as well while you wait. Um, and so that's, that's absolutely... So look, Dylan, your question is absolutely right, but over time, the market's not stupid enough that it won't recognise the actual value. You may absolutely, though, for what it's worth, have to wait till the profits come in. Mm. So if you're an Amazon shareholder, again, remember the shares went from, I've said this before, three to 100, then 100 back to nine, then nine to 3,000. The shares fell 90% at one point. This is split adjusted. Mm. Shares fell 90% at one point, right? While, while you waited for the business to prove itself. Mm. And even though the market was probably wrong to call it 100 bucks, we said this on Friday, probably wrong to call it nine bucks on the way through, may still be wrong at 3,000 bucks the share price is now. But that journey itself, that, that, that process you went through, you still had to basically do the hard yards and say, you know what, it's down 90%, but I think that this is a good business. I think the market will eventually realise it. And it had, sorry, then it did and it has. But it's a long time to wait and a lot of grief to wait through. And sometimes you may just have to wait until actual profit center. Mm. The market might hate your idea forever. Um, Tesla is up, was up tenfold in like two years, something stupid around. Um, but 
uh, David Gardner recommended it for one of his services in the US. It went literally nowhere for five years. Literally nowhere. Like dead flat, mm. five years. Well, until eventually not, we went, not oh, dead flat. Value. It was flat over from beginning to end, but all in between. Yeah, there is that. There yeah. is that. Yeah, yeah. That. I hear but, you. Know, no, yeah. No, and, and then all of a sudden the gains turned up, yeah. and that, that's that's important. So price does tend to follow value roughly over rough periods of time. You may have to wait. You know, if you buy a super early stage company that's going to discover lithium and mine it on the moon and whatever, people might be skeptical until the very point where there's enough profit to justify the price, mm. and that might be ten years away. But you've got to you've got to you know sometimes you've got to wait for that. Matt. You can't you can't tell the market. Your timing, you've got to accept the market's timing. But over time, generally speaking, in almost all cases, you say, mate, price does follow value. It's, it's a very, uns- again, like so many of our answers, it's a very, I recognise it as being a very- <laughs> It depends. It's, well, it's, yeah, well, it depends, but it's also, it's a very unsatisfying <laughs> one because- Yeah, totally I right. I mean, we all love really easy answers and we're sort yeah, of saying, actually, yeah. it's really complicated. And, you make it easier for And me? You've, yeah. got, you've got to have sort of long-term view on the economics and yeah. profitability of a business and you've got to, it's like, it's like oh, well, I, I've got to do that. That's really hard. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's super yeah, hard. Yeah. It's super hard. Um but here's the alternative. The alternative is 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 having a guessing game on market sentiment, and that's that's harder. So yeah. you know, it it it's there's there's that um, wonderful <laughs> look it up on Wikipedia mm-hmm. the, the Keynesian beauty contest, which describes yeah. it perfectly. It's a it's a it, it's a it's a thought experiment from a different era, which is horribly sexist and and not appropriate for our time. But he's basically sort of yeah. saying you, you're you're the judge of a beauty contest, which are just awful things, um, yeah. but. You know, so you've got you've got all these, and again, in the day, it's pretty girls sort of up there, and you've got to judge which one is yep. the prettiest. But he's saying, what if the competition wasn't to judge who you thought was the prettiest? And oh, God, it's such a horrible example, isn't it? But I'm just, it is, it is the sort of the canonical sort of yeah, example yeah, from history. Yep, 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 yep. Um, is, is that what you have to do as a judge is not not vote on what you <laughs> think is the prettiest girl. You have to vote on what other people will think is the prettiest girl. Yeah. Now that is a fundamental, fundamentally different question. Correct. And and so now 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 you're trying to guess what other people are thinking, and then then it's actually it, it, it iterates, right? So it's actually well now I'm not even thinking what other people think is the prettiest girl, and now I'm thinking what other people think other people think is the prettiest girl, and then I've got to go a layer down and a layer down, and it's it's phenomenally hard. It's it's diabolically hard. So yes, while I get that the the right answer is a frustrating one, a difficult one, and one that's fraught <laughs> with risk and danger, the alternative yeah. is far riskier because you, you yeah. tell me what kind of mood Mr. Market is going to be in 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 the, the short to right, medium. Right, right. No idea. No I, No one knows yep. no one has ever known and so it's really easy to give a a, a, a very a simple first level thinking kind of answer that says oh you just do this and it all works out it's well it's just the, the the overall story is it's very hard but one is is virtually impossible versus one being very difficult and i'll take the very difficult over the impossible any day <laughs> you haven't you haven't exactly sold it mate but you're exactly right yeah. let's uh let's move on to the next question this is one so there was a a tweet from my boss's boss's boss tom Gardner, the ceo of the motley fool and I'll, I'll, read you the, I'll read you the full section because then uh, Troy asks us a question at the end, including you. I don't know why he wants your opinion, but apparently he does. <laughs> um, Tom, Tom Gardner wrote, if the market fell 20% in the next, ten, in the next year, sorry, so let me go in. If the market fell 20% in the next year, here are, stocks, here are 10 stocks I still wouldn't consider selling now or then. And he mentioned 10 companies. How about yours? I replied, I would sell literally not a single one of my holdings unless the share market slump was because of an enduring economic or industry obstacle that permanently harmed the long-term potential of those companies. In other words, volatility doesn't matter. If I like Woolies now, 
I think well, it's going to be bigger in 10 years' time. Whether the market drops in the meantime, it doesn't matter, which we've said many, many times, Ram. So my, mm. my answer to Tom was I would sell any of my companies at all because it just doesn't matter unless the slump was something to do with there was a factor that was enduring, right? Let's say it, the market slumped because we ran out of oil. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, maybe that matters. Or the market slumped because the dollar, you know, the, the Australian government was insolvent. Okay, that kind of matters. So there are times when it might be true. So I said I wouldn't sell a single one just on volatility alone because why would you? If you think they're great long-term investments, what happens in the meantime, you just talked about that, doesn't matter. Mm. So I said that and that was all fine. Troy comes back with a great question. He says... Um, uh, Scott and Sage underscore Simeon, your handle. I make this in a question for the podcast format. What five shares, if the entire market fell 20%, would you buy? Mm. And Troy puts more in brackets to suggest, and he's right, that maybe there are companies we already own. We simply buy more of. And I love this question because there is a, a, a school of thought that if you're, if you're an active investor, an interested investor, if you like what we're doing, most investors will have a watch list, either formally or informally, of businesses they kind of would love to own, but it's just it's too expensive. And there's stuff you would never own anyway, right? That, that's easy to discard. Other ones you're like, well, gee, I tell you, if that company got low enough, I'd definitely buy shares because I love the business and I would love to own it, but gee, I can't buy it now. If they got cheaper, I'd buy them. Mm. And so Troy's just saying, hey, if the market fell 20%, where would you go shopping? What would you be looking out for? What would be on the market crash watch list mm. of buy ideas? And I really, I just thought it was a really, really clever way to ask the question I think uh, I, I love my boss Tom Gunner and he's a great man and if he wants to give me a bonus he's welcome to I actually think Tori's question is better Tom sorry uh, because that's to, for my mind I wouldn't have sold anything but hey if you know if you're Lord to wake up tomorrow morning and the market crashes like, well what would I buy more of what's on the shopping list mm. what's on your shopping list Ray? well it's hard because I would suspect if the market if the market well, it depends if if the market <laughs> fell twenty percent, I dare say a lot of the companies that I'm interested in would probably fall a lot more because they tend Correct. to be smaller and they tend to they tend to have what yep. they call a higher beta, so they they're much more volatile <laughs> than the market. So, the, you know, the market overall could fall twenty percent, but 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 these ones could fall potentially more or even less in some cases. So again, you got to it's got to be a stock specific question. And then there are companies out there. Like Promedic is a good example. I love. I think it's one of the best businesses on the ASX. I just think it's phenomenal. But I'd actually think, and I probably would buy some more if it went down twenty percent. But I do consider it very overvalued. Actually, what I I actually think it would need to fall more than that for it to become super attractive. Um, it got to fifteen bucks in the COVID crash, by the way, which I was very happy to take advantage Ooh, of. Wow. Um, yes, yeah, so it's up fourfold since then. Yeah, happy yeah. days, right? But but uh, but I I I do I'd probably need to see it fall a lot for. So that so I'll probably answer it in a slightly different way and sort of say what do I think are some of the highest quality companies on the ASX and I'd be com- comparing that what they happen to fall against what my my independent notion of, of value was. So I'd put Promedicus mm. in there, but geez, I'd love to buy some CSL shares if they if the market had a big fall, zero, mm. cochlear, uh, technology one, just in just towards the I will avoid some of the, the more micro cap stocks that that I know. Um cool. Uh, throw a couple in if you want. Yeah. Oh well, you know, um, but they would fall so much more. <laughs> they would yeah, fall yeah. a lot. Um, but 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 I, I think all of those are just rock solid businesses that you know are going to be around in ten years time. Going to be worth much, 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 much more. And I'd also know that after it fell, I would buy some, and then it would fall in half again because that's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. just what happens. So what happens? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But there are, there are a few names, and in the smaller cap end, I mean, you know, again, it's, it's the ones I always go on about, like Enviroswede, like Catapult, <laughs> or like Jumbo, or like Ava Risk Group, bought some more of them recently. I think Nanasonics right. is a fantastic business. Uh, you know, Cog State's super interesting. I'm just going through the list I've got here on, on, mm. on Strawman. Mm. XRF Scientific, you wouldn't have heard a lot of these businesses, but they're really, they're actually un, under the radar businesses, but very attractive ones. And yeah, they, they would be, nice. they would be in my shopping list. So one of the things, and this is, this is not a plug, but one of the things, the way we designed um, <laughs> Strawman is the idea is you sort of put your, you, you write up an investment thesis, you can post a valuation, then you can set a price alert. So every time I sort of do a bit of research or look at a company, I'll write something up and I go, oh, I really like this. I'd buy it at this one, at this price and I'd set a price alert. And then I just go about my merry way and then it, one day, ding, you know, oh, it's gotten to the price I said I would buy it at if it got to there. And then, mm-hmm. and that sort of is my prompt there rather than looking at what the overall market has kind of done. Now, maybe something has changed and I need to re- go back and redraft up what, what I thought because the facts have changed. Right. But if nothing has, then that is a wonderful, that is a, that is a wonderful reminder. And it's just, again, we, nothing about straw men, just in general, grab a piece of paper, right? Write out your investment thesis. What do you think it's worth? And when would you buy it? And then if it gets there, follow through on what you said you were going to do. <laughs> it's hard. Everyone says, oh, if this got down 50%, I'd buy it. Well, guess what? It's just fallen 50% because everyone's scared, they have pants scared off them. No one knows what's going on and none of us mm. do what we say we're going to do because, ooh, <laughs> I know I said I would, but maybe I'll just but, wait a yeah, little bit longer. That's so true, mate. Or that's exactly maybe I'll wait for things to get better and then I'll do it. No, yep. buy it. If, if, yep. if nothing has changed except for the price or even if things have yep. changed a little bit and the price has changed at a much more exaggerated level, buy the damn thing. <laughs> You're not trying to time it here. It's cheap. Get it, you know. And as we just said at the, at the beginning, if, if, if you are broadly mm-hmm. right, you will be eventually rewarded for that, even though you may look mm-hmm. r- silly for a long time, may, even though it may be very painful for a long time. That's how you outperform the market. Yep. It's a, well, it's companies a really would- good answer. Well, yeah, so he, I, I'm going to take a different slant to your answer, but it's kind of the same, the same vibe. Um, it, the, the, the challenge with this question is, and most people will say, the ones I want to buy, to your point about CSL, the ones I want to, I, I can't, I, I'd love to get those quality business when they're on sale. And that's true. All else being equal, if someone walked into my, my you know, office, such as this, um, in the morning and said, hey, CSL's on sale for $25. You want to buy some? I'm like, yes, yes, I will. Yes, I will. And I'll, you know, I'll, I will mortgage my house and buy the CSL shares at 25 bucks because they're 200 and something, whatever they are now. Um, so, you know, the, yes, absolutely. The challenge is that, as you already said, Ram, in a market where CSL is down 20%, Something else is down 30 or 40%. And so while you say, well, all this is a wonderful business and I'd love to buy it at $30, even when it gets there, it may not be the best thing to buy. And at that point in time, the companies you might want to buy are the ones that have the best upside from that point. Yes. So while you may never get a chance to buy the high quality businesses at that price, I mean, you can buy them anyway if you want to, but... You know, it's not like it's not like that they fall in a vacuum and the other stuff doesn't. So you know, the, a really easy example is one I know you've looked at in the past. We talked about before is um, AP Eagers, the car business, right? When we go through an economic cycle that causes a stock market crash, and it'll happen, or just a slump or a decline or whatever, uh, because the economy starts to falter a little bit, new car sales will fall through the floor. And those shares, those shares could be down 70 percent from top to bottom, right? And so right then, you want to buy Woolies at a 10% discount or Eagers at a 70% discount. Mm. And, that's, and you were saying that exactly, that was your point, mm. mate, about you know, some of the companies, the small caps you own, but just because they're small will fall further. And then there's those that are exposed to the economy or the reason those, that crash happens who are going to fall even further because people freak out. Now, 
Sometimes those businesses may not have enough cash to make it through. So I'm not saying every business that falls a lot is worth buying, but you mentioned ProMedica's down to $15, fell by, must be what, 70, 70 75%? Uh, it fell, like that from the yeah, it from fell the a bottom. lot, yeah. Um, when the market fell 37%. So again, you know, do you want to buy CSL when the when CSL falls 20% when the market falls 37? Or do you want to buy ProMedica's down two-thirds, three-quarters, and then goes back up? And so that's, that is the, that's a really difficult one is the time you think you're going to be able to buy those quality businesses on sale. And you can, but they're not going to be, the, they're not the best ideas now because they're too expensive. And they're not going to be the best ideas then because the market's going to fall even further. And so uh, honestly, I would go shopping for, in a, in, a, in, a, in a general market slump caused by economics, assuming that things, assuming that the, the patterns follow from the past, I'd be going shopping for discretionary retailers. Mm. In, ter- in terms of like pure upside from that point, if you can buy Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, Premier Investments, I own Harvey Norman for the record. Um, uh, what else is there, mate? You know, th- those are they're the ones that are going to get absolutely smashed. Yeah. Right? Now, got to be careful not going to go broke, as I said, so don't buy every one of them. Mosaic Brands had to raise capital during the COVID slump because they had their sh- stores closed while others sold online. So there are very different businesses with very different attributes. Accent um, is one business. Um um, a sense, right? Uh, what's the other one? Um, Adairs, mm. potentially, mm. right? I, I would that honestly, that's the first place I'd go because they're going to get smashed, or in theory. And if they don't, but don't buy them, by the way. But if they get smashed, they're going to give you much better potential long-term returns than buying Woolies at a twenty percent discount. Vegas um, itself, I probably consider buying, depending on what happened to the market <clears> and where, where, the, where the shares were. So I would absolutely go bargain hunting at that point, not just trying to buy stuff that was a, a little bit of a discount. I think that's true. Um, but. although the trick with that is because you're buying, yep. you're buying with, you're not buying these companies because you think they're great, necessarily the best businesses out there. You're just Correct. buying them because the, the best upside there. Now, if that, Correct. if that is realized and it yes. probably will be, um, yes. it also means that you've got to adjust with the new reality. So once, yes, once that panic has gone out of it, you're left with a mediocre company at a fair price. Correct. And so yes. I think what a lot of people do is they go, oh, this is, yeah, it's not the best business in the world, but it's <laughs> super cheap. Point. I'm buying it. Yeah, and then five yeah. years later, they're still holding it after that's played out. It's kind of like- I've got not, the best, not the best business in the world. It's not cheap anymore. Yeah. So why, why and and yeah, I'm not totally advocating totally. trading in and out or doing anything like yeah. this, but it's yeah. just the reason yeah. that you bought it has, has changed. It, the, the reason yeah. that you bought it will, will probably be the very di- a different reason for why you continue to hold it once, once that fear, pre- fear discount is gone. Now, what Troy's getting at, I would imagine, is he's saying, well, if I'm going to buy something that, that actually I, I am happy to hold for years and years and years and years and years, that, yep. that is a different que- uh, uh, question. Yep. And, and, and this is, the, again, the, the old Buffett saying it's better, it's better to have a, a, a great company at a fair price than a fair company at a great price. And Correct. so, again, lots of nuance in all of that <laughs> and lots of it depends in all of that, but that's the, the true mm-hmm. answer. And so... I think you're right, Troy. I think it's worth having that wish list of, of really high quality businesses. But I would layer on top of what you said, Scott, which is you may find that in certain situations, particularly in massive market dislocations, they may not actually be the ones that offer the best medium term upside. And it's a trade-off as, as it always is. So yeah, just 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 bear in mind when you're buying it, what's the thesis? And what and, and once once on one hand with the with the high quality business, the thesis is just gonna continue to kick goals and I wanna keep this in the bottom drawer and, and compound my money over a very long time. And then the other yep. thesis is, well, it's an okay company. It's just stupid cheap, and at some point that will that will rectify itself, and then I'll take my money out. Two two very different, equally valid, but. 
different approaches and you just have to have a very clear head as to what it, what trade you're actually making there and make sure that you right. say, stay consistent with that because what we all do is that we rationalise things. We, we buy for one reason <laughs> and then we end up holding for a very different one. That is so true. The whole thesis creep thing yep. is, is so prevalent. Um if if you want like and and to, but to your point, Matt, and to Troy's point, if the question was, you know, which businesses, which long term business would I buy? Mm-hmm. I'd love to buy salt pads at twenty bucks. Oh yeah, I'd happily buy Woolworths at thirty dollars. Um, and you, that's your point about having a price, right? Yeah. What's that? These are arbitrary prices. Right? I don't have a I don't have a, a DCF anywhere with this is what salt pads is worth. But if you get a chance, if you want to buy, even honestly, mate, the Nasdaq ETF. Yeah. If the Nasdaq falls out of bed, mm. I'd happily buy the ETF and go. You know what? It'll recover, and those companies will do great things. And mm. these are super high quality businesses. Let's let's like let's get on with it. Mm. Again, makes super huge amounts of sense to go and grab some of those businesses. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think, I, think there's some, I think there's some great companies you can buy at, at, at really good prices. Um, but again, yeah, n- knowing your thesis, knowing your investment style, knowing your desire, and, and how you want to think about some of that stuff—that's absolutely part of the part of the conversation. Yep. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's go to a question from PPA on Twitter. Scott, curious for one of your shows if you can discuss overseas investing and currency fluctuation considerations. E.g., buy a US company at $100 a share when the dollar is 75 US cents, share price goes up, but the the AUD drops... What happens? Not that I'm short term, but it can still affect the value at the time of sale, I assume. Is this correct? And he's absolutely right. When you're buying Australian companies, you, you, you deal with the share price, but you're buying and selling in Australian dollars, you're living in Australian dollars, the currency doesn't matter, at least to the sale price. I know you're going to tell me there's other ways the currency matters, Andrew. I can see you smiling already. <laughs> um, if you buy a US company or an overseas company at all, you're, you're buying at a price and a currency exchange rate, you're selling at a price and a currency exchange rate, and they both matter in terms of the return you get. By the way, also the tax you pay, even if you don't transfer those dollars back to Australia. So there are there are important tax and share price considerations or, or, or total return considerations, I should say. And you're absolutely right, PPA, that the currency moves do matter. Don't they, Andrew? Yeah, oh, yeah, they, they do. Um, but they don't matter as much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tell us why. So... While you were while you were talking, I was furiously sort of trying to Google a long term <laughs> chart between the AUD nice. and, the, and the US dollar, and this one oh. goes back to two thousand and six, just on Yahoo Finance. Um, nice. So all the way back in June of two thousand and six, we were at about seventy five cents a share. <laughs> so where go. we are at the moment. Now it got up to dollar ten. Seventy five cents the US dollar. You said seventy five cents per share, which was impressive, but uh, not quite right. So it's kind of gone nowhere, except it hasn't. Yeah. It, 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 along right. the way, it got down to like uh, got down yeah. to like low sixties. I want to say maybe even mm-hmm. uh, oh, this chart is a very bad chart here, um, but it got to a dollar ten um, in between. Mm-hmm. So they, they are they are absolutely having an impact. But the thing is with currency is it's not going to continue. It's not as though the Aussie dollar is going to forever grow against the US dollar. It can't for various complicated reasons. Um, yes, yes. Um, but earnings can continue to go up and up I mean, it and could, up. And but up. It, that, in, in horrible, horrible economic circumstances. Well, if the US, in, in the real if world. The US collapses, yeah. then yeah. yes, okay. But yeah. then there's a whole yeah. bunch of other things to sort of worry yeah, about. Right. So when I look, I'm a yeah. long-term yeah. investor. And it, it's it's um, it's a, uh, what's the word for it? Long-term investor, I mean, 
investor is by definition long-term. Anything tautology, else is, yes. is a, thank you. Tautology is the word I'm looking for. But as a as a long-term investor, when I'm looking out five years and I'm, let's say I'm investing in some US stocks, what is the currency going to be there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's probably unlikely to be, you know, 55 cents. It's probably unlike, it's, so it's very likely to be somewhere between 55 and $1.10, say, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And that's yeah. going, that's definitely going to have an impact and potentially a sizable one. But if I'm right. investing in NVIDIA um, mm-hmm. or uh, I'm trying to think of non-typical ones, you know, Netflix or some of these other kind of ones mm-hmm. whose earnings are growing at 20%. You sort of got these two factors that are having an impact on the share price. It's just that one is far, 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 far more dominant. So you and I can have a, both have a car. Mine has a huge engine in it. It's just I've got a V12 engine in this thing, but I'm not very aerodynamic. You have something that's been optimised in a wind, oh, wind tunnel, right? And, I am so slick. You know, and you just, the, the air just slips past you like a hot <laughs> butter through, like a knife through hot butter. But you've, you've got like a lawnmower engine in there. So is wind resistance important to speed? Yeah, it's really important to speed. Um, but it's not as important as me with my V12 engine that's driving a brick. I'm just going to beat you every day of the week. And that's the way that I, right. I like to think about it. It's a great analogy. You know, so it, it's, sort of, it's it. sort of like go for something that has the really strong – I mean, ideally have one that, you know, is, yep. is a really good engine yep. and, and, and aerodynamically sound. But I'm, I'm going to focus on the engine. I'm not going to focus on some other factors that while influential – are so secondary in in their impact as as to right, not right, right. not be overly concerned about, and people can try and have their cake and eat it too, and just say, "Oh, well, I'm just going to hedge." Well, if you'd hedged over mm. since 2006, mm. you've spent a bunch of money to go nowhere, <laughs> and it's just it's just dampened your returns, um, as it's right. turned out. So so yeah, it's a factor, but but don't overthink it. What what is what is far more important is to make sure you've got a very high quality growing company in there, and then mm. the the, the currency is going to be a bit of a rounding error in the fullness of time, to my mind. I think that's right. As long as you have enough time, and it's, it's a bit like again, I, I, the the only caveat I'd add to your answer, mate, is it depends what sort of companies you're investing in, mm. and what sort of returns they're going to get, right? Because, it, and frankly, how could you are investing? But that's the same in any company. Um, and the longer the term, as you say, because by definition, they, the, the dollars kind of have to fluctuate between two relatively fixed points, where the share price can grow forever. The more growth you get, and the longer you own the shares, and those two are obviously related, the less time that the currency matters. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you'd have bought Berkshire at $50 a share and it's now $200,000 a share, trust me, the currency doesn't matter no. your return, right? No. It just doesn't matter. Now, if you buy, I don't know, Walmart at $50 a share and now it's $60 a share and it's been three years and the dollar's depreciated by 20% in the meantime, Oof, yeah. that's going to get pretty close, yeah. right? And so, and so I say Walmart's a bad investment or you shouldn't have made it or, or whatever. Just recognise that the time frame and the compound returns, you know, the, the longer you hold, the more you return, the less currency matters, as you say, mm. Ram, because it does fluctuate. Yeah. Now, $1.15 versus 45 cents, that's still a, that, that's a really, really, really big chunk of change. So I would absolutely say when I buy and when I sell US shares, I do absolutely think about the times I want to transfer money between the two country, countries. Mm. It makes perfect sense, right? So if the dollar is $1.15, I'm going to throw as much money as I can into the US market. When the dollar's forty-five cents, I'm possibly going to think about selling some of my companies and moving them back to that money back to Australia mm-hmm. because it's it, you know think about if the dollar let's say dollars make my life easier right let's say the dollars a dollar a parity if it falls to fifty cents you're doubling your money mm-hmm. right it's the equivalent of saying hey if you own a share let's say you own Woolies and it's 40, you bought it at forty bucks it goes to eighty all of a sudden for no good reason 
do you hold it just because it's currency, not share price? I don't think you do. Mm. So there are times when I would say, you know what, I'm going to take my money and I'm going to run because, by the way, when the dollar goes back to 70 or 75 cents, I can always buy back if I want. Mm. And not because I'm a trader and not because I'm whatever, just because if someone offers you a stupid share price, sell your shares. Like don't hold just because you're, you know, if, if I own Woolies and I think long-term it's going to be a great investment, someone overnight says, you know, first thing tomorrow morning, do you want 100 bucks for your Woolies shares? I'm like, no, 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 I'm a long-term investor and I think eventually it'll be worth $120 in seven years' time. So I'm going to hold them. It's like, no, no, take the money now. If, if someone offers you a stupid price to buy or sell, mm-hmm. take the damn money. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean you can't reinvest some other point. And you don't have, just because you're a long-term investor doesn't mean you can't simply go, oh man, that's too good to refuse. Yeah. Like yeah. I plan to be here forever, but I'll take the money. Yep. So, so do that. that. That's my only. That's my only caveat, no. mate. Is that, is that yeah, fair? totally fair. Totally fair. Nice. Let's move on. Um, hi, Scott. Uh, I heard recently that ten percent of Redbubble shares were being shorted. I just want to know how this is public information, and how you can find out. He says it would be interesting to see for my current holdings. Love listening to you and Ram on the pod. And that's from Lucas. Thank you, mate. Good question, um, Ram. Shorting, yeah, red bubble. Um, How do you find out? Does it matter? Do you care? Uh, not really. Um, it's the second most shorted stock on the ASX, and uh, I look. There's, I'm sure there's other services out there, and, and there's no affiliation, so I'm not promoting it. But I know there's one called Shortman.com.au, <laughs> oh, and that'll, yep. that'll list it all for you for free. Um, yep. Does it matter? Um, I, I don't know. Um, shorters have had a woeful time of late. Um, and and it's it's in, we've talked about this before. For some reason, shorting yeah. seems smarter. So, if if someone releases a short thesis, it really scares the pants off the market. Someone releases a long <laughs> thesis saying, oh, "I really like this company," yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem to have the same effect. And mm-hmm. we can all point to examples of where it's worked out. This is the beauty of the market. It's an example to prove any mm-hmm. point you want. Um, but I don't know if statistically it's that there's any reason to believe that the people on the short side are any smarter than the people on the long side and that they have any particular mm-hmm. track record. There's some wonderful examples of companies that were massively uh, – people were hugely short on and all the shorters got burnt and it didn't, it didn't mean anything at all. So I've always said that I think it's an interesting point. I think I think when you notice something like Redbubble that is massively short, the question you want to ask is, mm, mm. oh, my God, well, what's the short thesis? What, what am I missing yeah. here? Maybe they're right, <laughs> but I want to know what it is. Yeah. I actually dug into this recently um, with Redbubble, and it's interesting because on a lot of ways this business is just knocking it out of the park. So it feels right. as though to me that the, the likely short thesis here is one of valuation which to me is always a very bad short bet. Um, yeah, if you're going to bet, uh, yeah. you, you can only double your money going short, right? Yeah. Like you can only go to yeah. zero. So I think it makes more sense to go short when you think this is this is a fraud. Mm-hmm. This is how John Hampton does it. Right? He looks for frauds um, mm-hmm. because he thinks that they'll go to zero. If you think yeah. something's 20% overvalued and you go short, oof, that mm-hmm. is a tough bet. Because one, even if you're right, it might take ages before the market agrees with you. And then even if you are, your upside's pretty capped. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, look at all the people betting short on Tesla. Some, and some really great th- – these weren't idiots and they had some really solid arguments for it. Uh, but so far, massively, massively wrong. Um, and in, in in investing, there's this saying that being early is indistinguishable for being wrong. <laughs> yeah. I actually – I don't like it to – on the long side, 
I think that's actually less of a factor because as we were talking about recently, it's just like you can go sideways for five years and then 10X from there, you're still going to do very, very, very well. <laughs> and being early, is there is no problem yeah. with that. But on, in shorting, it is everything. If you're early, yeah, you right. are wrong, 100% wrong because there's a cost of carry as well with all of that kind of stuff. So I guess what I'm, let's tie it in a boat. What I'm saying here is, is that I, 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 I would avoid making the assumption that the shorters are always right because they're not. Mm-hmm. But I would certainly, I think it's an interesting data point and I would want to know what they're thinking that, they've, that so many people have thought enough of it that, that it's a factor. But, then, but yeah. then it's a question of asking, well, what is that, that, that short thesis and do I think they're right? Um, mm-hmm. You have to have variant perception. You know, um, and and uh, maybe you're right and they're wrong, and there's lots of examples of that too. So, yeah, take a look at it, but it, but just don't don't take just don't make that next step of assuming that they're right because they're often not. Yeah, fear is fear is such a driving motivator, right? When when and this is why I I've said before I would if I was up to me, I'd ban short selling, and that makes John and other people grumpy with me, and I'm okay with that. But uh, no, I, don't, I think John's great, by the way. I like him a lot. Um, there are some activist short sellers. And I say activist almost in air quotes, and there are other words I could use. Again, I'm specifically not talking about John, who are who's decent and does most of his stuff behind the scenes, and just just bases on 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 frauds and other things. There are others who try and create the outcome they're looking for with negative articles and all that kind of stuff, and I think that's just kind of crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say that, people say, "Well, you guys are long. You say you like ProMedica, so you like Kogan, or you like Amazon drink, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and you're the same as them." The challenge we know is that when I say I like Kogan, nobody cares, and maybe three people buy the shares and it goes up one cent, right? When someone released a short case on uh, what was the what was the big corporate one? travel? Um, yeah, I was actually thinking of Nearmap. No, uh, God, I've lost it. The, the freight business. Why can't I not think? Oh, of oh, well, WiseTech. There you go. Thank Wisetech, you, WiseTech. Yes, um, the shares fall forty percent, and so that you know, to my mind, that and and. When I say I like Kogan, maybe people buy it, maybe they don't. Maybe the share price goes up, maybe it doesn't. People get scared out of a stock like WiseTech at the 40% decline because they think the short sellers must know something. That's the bit that, that annoys me about the, the idea, and particularly when they're arguably, I won't say about WiseTech because I don't know who it was, I can't remember who it was, and I'm not going to get myself in trouble with anybody. But when some short sellers make a case that is largely, I'm going to say troublemaking or deliberately muddying the waters or trying to create a certain outcome, uh, they get to do it because we as humans respond very differently mm. to fear than we do to greed, to the risk of loss rather than the risk of gain. Um, so I think that's absolutely right. Um, in, in case of point, WiseTech's at an all-time high. There you go. And it dropped, so if you, it if dropped you, massively. The, on the, now, again, yeah. maybe the market's wrong now. You know, maybe this, totally. this, this is the problem with shorting. Maybe they're still absolutely yeah. right, but woof. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've, well, if you held the shorts, that right, you're still you're still holding, waiting for the market to realise you're right, and, you get, and you're paying interest every every time. By the way, yep. and your ups, your downside is unlimited yep. when you're shorting. It's the opposite of owning shares. Um, so there you go, mate. Um, a follow-up question from Jamie actually that we received a little while ago. Um, a few weeks ago, this was a couple months ago, a few weeks ago, Ram mentioned ignoring short cases against companies, which you just done. That reminded me to ask this question. As someone who copped a big punch in the face when Glaucus presented their case against Blue Sky Alternatives, what are some warning signs I can look for in the future? I haven't been able to bring myself to pick individual stocks since, but I want to get back in the game. Also, I love the Borg reference. Cheers, Jamie. I do like a Star Trek reference. I, I would have mentioned the Borg at some point. Um... It's a really good question, mate, because that's the flip side, right? Jamie, this is one that the shorters seem to have been right about. Uh, Blue Sky Alternatives did fall through the floor. I don't know what it is now. I haven't looked. Um, it's a tough one, right? And and that's the other thing. Shorters aren't always wrong. So it's, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, a tough, it's a tough way to make a bark, but they're right some of the time, mm. maybe even most of the time. I'm not, not sure how frequently. 
Um, but if they're right, you kind of go, oh my God, I, if that happens again, I'm really in trouble. And that short case absolutely did speed up the decline, which was possibly, I, I won't say anything more than that because I don't get myself in trouble with anybody, including people on both sides of that trade. Um, maybe it did speed up something that was inevitable anyway. And so was it the short case? Was it Glaucus or was it the, the fact they found something that was actually overvalued? Arguable that it is the case. Mm. Um, but Jamie said, well, hang on, you know, <laughs> when it does happen, then should I have known, could I have known, how can I avoid it in the future? Yeah. We sort of in a roundabout way touched on this off air earlier, which is mm. it's this idea that, that in, investors get out there, they make a bunch of different investments and some of them go really bad and they go, oh, this is mm. really sucky. But it's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel as yeah. though people people have a really bad experience with a share and then throw their hands up and walk away. And it's like, well, that, mm-hmm. that's everyone. I mean, welcome to the party. You, mm-hmm. you, the, the height of arrogance is to think that you're going to have a 100% strike rate. It doesn't exist. No one is. Take, Buffett's never got even close to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Peter Lynch says, if you're right six times out of 10, you're good in this game. <laughs> and he's right. right. He's right. Yes, he is. So, yep. so I, I, I would implore you to, in, in this situation, go, yeah, that's a sucky experience. But A, what matters <laughs> is your overall returns. Yeah. Um, yeah. B, it was also w- why you were potentially wrong here. Did you miss something? Did you double mm-hmm. down because you thought that they were wrong? I mean, it's just there's nothing wrong with being wrong. It's, it's inevitable. Whereas the, the mistake mm-hmm. is made in ignoring the fact that you're wrong. When you, when you come, you shouldn't mm-hmm. be able to have this ability to look at things objectively in a new light, regardless of what I thought yesterday, regardless of what I was, does that still hold water? Or or do I just not know? Is, is, mm-hmm. am I, and this happens to me all the time, in a situation where I just don't know. That's Redbubble mm-hmm. for me, by the way. Um, right, okay. I actually think it's really interesting, but then, yeah, I can kind of see some of the negatives on it as well. And so I don't have mm-hmm. a firm view that it's great or it's bad. I just don't know. And that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a wonderfully powerful thing to admit to yourself. Because if you don't yeah. know, or you never know, no, for sure, but if you don't have any reasonable conviction, mm-hmm. get the hell out. You don't, you don't have to have a firm view on everything, but you do have to know. Yeah. It's, that, it's that idea of where's your circle, of, the size of your circle of competence isn't what matters. Knowing where the boundaries are is vitally important. <laughs> so it's kind of related, yeah, well, right? So, yeah, yeah, so, so, I, so I guess, well, let, let me summarise. If, if, if you've had a bad experience, yes, I feel for you, but don't, don't, don't be surprised by it. You're going to have many, many more bad experiences. Um, yeah. if, if, you, if you can't form a, a reasonable view on, on if, if, you, if you can't have any conviction after that, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. then that's reason enough to sell out, even if it turns out that you would have been better off holding. That's okay too. Never invest on hope alone. Hope is a bad investment strategy, yeah. Yeah. as I like to say. Um, so, yeah, roll with the punches. Expect it to happen. Just make sure that you're able to come back and reevaluate in an objective way and and mm-hmm. admit to yourself when when you don't know and because you won't. And if that's okay, and that's okay. That's perfectly okay. Move on. Take take the loss and and move on and and just keep doing. This is a game of probability. And you know, if you're someone who can pick horses right 6 times out of 10 <laughs> or even yeah. 3 times out of 10, but the ones you get right are the ones that are paying 100 to 1. You know, it, it, yeah, this yeah. is this is the way that the, the best poker players in the world just play on 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 the odds. Mm, mm. Um, they don't win every hand. Um, they don't even mm. get close to winning every hand. Exactly, exactly. You know, but they win overall yep. because they yep. know yep. that yep. when I've got four aces, that's not a guaranteed <laughs> win. Right, you, exactly. It's yes, not guaranteed, but geez, the odds are right, in my right. favour. And and that's how yep. you have to think about investing. Um, I would mm. say is is it, it's it's a game of probabilities, and and any game of probabilities, you're not going to win all the time. 
I like it. I like it. Mate, um, we're probably out of time almost, but I have to ask you about Bitcoin because I told you I would and I told our listeners I would and <laughs> I'm just feeling grumpy now because we've taken too long to answer the other questions, but I have to get back to this one because okay. I said I would. Hi, Scott, says Troy. Question mainly for Rampage. Isn't the thesis of Bitcoin broken? Yes, yes, it is, Troy. Thank you. That's all we have time for. No, <laughs> In what way? Um, he says it was developed as a peer-to-peer, peer-to-peer payments platform. Yeah. Now it's a store of wealth. Also, wouldn't the bear case be that just government could outlaw and introduce their own currency? I see the web 3.0 angle, but I see Bitcoin as web gold. Not that many uses for it and only worth what people feel like. I've done a little review on it. I've also listened to Rule Breakers podcast on this. I probably see Ethereum being a better option as it is blockchain-based network with a currency attached. Well, you're right about Bitcoin, Troy, you're still wrong about Ethereum and that's all we have time for. <laughs> um, is he right, mate? Isn't, isn't, this, isn't this thesis creep we just mentioned before for Bitcoin, the whole, it's a currency. Well, okay, no, it's not really because it's too high. Okay, let's call it a store of value. Well, this is kind of gold and uh, yeah. it, it is because it is because it is. Yeah, is it yeah. really, does it have a thing? Isn't the thesis broken? Well, my thesis was never that it's going to be a, a currency. <laughs> so for me, it's not, okay. it's not changed. Um, okay. It's all the same technology. Um, in fact, the new upgrade that's happening with Bitcoin will actually give it a lot more uh, ability to compete, in fact, head-to-head with Ethereum. It's, it's all the same okay. stuff. It's just how you want to use it. Um, so, no, I don't, I don't think it is broken, and I don't think I'm right just because it happens to be at a record high. I, 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 I just... <laughs> he throws it in passing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, but I, I get, I've had a few messages from mates. Oh, you must be doing victory lap. Like, no, yep, not really. Yep, yep. I never I, yep. I never knew what it was going to do when I was when I started to buy. <laughs> and I, no, I couldn't tell you where it was going to be at this exact point in time. The, the, the thesis, I'll just, I won't repeat myself. I'll just go say, go listen to last week's episode because that's, that's where I laid out the thesis. <laughs> Thank you. And I, think, okay. and I think that that is still, in intact and the, the, the markers for me are increasing <laughs> nodes on the network increasing mm. adoption um, as long as that continues to happen I think the thesis is in track and I think I think all of those things are true I think that the size of the network is growing I think that the the protocol that it's running on is continually getting better and better I think it has a very strong network effect I think people are finding it there's more legitimacy legitimacy mm. in it just because people think there's legitimacy in it and that sounds stupid but mm-hmm. you know, welcome to fiat and gold and that's <laughs> yeah. that's true of all of all of these things so mm-hmm. yes it's kind of silly but that's that's human you know someone's bought the uh, you just want to drink the Kool-Aid when they start referring to not normal currency as fiat yeah. as if it's somehow yeah different well it, I mean it's, it's all based on trust you know and so <laughs> <laughs> now people are saying, well, rather than trusting any... Well, here's the other thing that I think we, we miss so much nuance mm-hmm. on it. Like the, the people with laser beam eyes on Twitter and stuff who are just like massively <laughs> into this, just like it's going to be the new current. There's, there's not a black and white thing. I think it can live along... I think fiat is around for a long time, you know, decades right. and decades, if not centuries. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a replacement. I don't think that any of these things... But, it, but is, it, is it an evolving and, and more and more... Um, legitimate asset class yeah i i think it mm. is and mm. and we i will i dare suspect that um more broadly it, it's a mental shift here because we're, we're, we're putting our trust in a, in code we've never done that before and that's a huge mm. mental shift but i think as 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 the mentality changes not just in terms of what that might mean for currency which is a very very narrow use case of blockchain technology smart contracts decentralized autonomous organizations non-fungible tokens. I mean, 99% of this area is all bubble that's going to zero. It absolutely is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in terms of, of what it promises as a technology and what it can do, I think it's absolutely that. I, I tweeted something. I saw it the other day and I, I retweeted it. There was this uh, interview with Bill Gates and David Letterman in 1995. 
And David Letterman is just giving Bill Gates heaps like, why would I use this internet thing, right? It just, <laughs> I don't get it. Can't I? Have you heard yeah, of radio? Yeah. You know, it's just like yeah. I, cause Bill Gates, oh, you can listen to your favourite baseball game. It's like, well, I can do that anyway. And it just, it's laughable now. Remember Real, remember real Player just quietly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it was laugh, and But, but yeah, it, yeah. everything that Bill was talking, he's two interesting things. Everything yeah. that he was saying kind of came true, but right. also it was also beside the point. The, in, the internet, as first imagined, was just let's put magazines online. I can go there and I can read something on someone's homepage or the news or something. And then, and what we've since used the internet for <laughs> is vastly, no one, even, the, even someone like Bill Gates, who was right at the bleeding edge of this, completely right. missed the significance and I dare mm. say that with Web 3.0, which is a long time away before it becomes anything mm. real, uh, well, it, mm. you know, anything material, I, I, I think none of us can really imagine how it's sort of going there. But this, this technology mm. is, is, is legitimate. It is, it is here. And it, is, it is, has the potential to revolutionise a lot of things. It doesn't mean that everything gets thrown in the bin and we just all go to that. That's, mm. that's dumb, narrow, mm. black and white thinking. But as something that is new and genuinely valuable and has very valid use case, even with what we can imagine, let alone what we can't imagine, I just think it's, yeah. I think it's massive. So I, I, yeah, listened to last week and you can get into more detail there, but I don't think it's, oh, I don't think it's broken at all. Nice, I like it. Um, should say, just funnily enough to, you're speaking about Bill Gates on Letterman, uh, Tom and David Gardner, our co-founders, were on daytime TV, one of the Oprah-type shows, defending the fact people would actually use credit cards on the internet. Yeah. Surely no one's ever going to use a credit card on the internet. David Tom are like, no, no, they will. Yeah. No, they won't. No one's going to use a credit card on the internet and, and here we are. Yep. All right, mate, one last one. <clears throat> and I'll, it's got to be on Bitcoin. Same, same topic. Let's get out of the way now. <laughs> We're on a bit longer today and then thank God it'll be over and I can relax. Really <laughs> From Patrick. Hi, Scott. Sorry, a follow-up question for Andrew on crypto. Oh, See, Patrick, at least there's some sympathy. Thanks for answering my question about crypto, he says. I thought it was a very good synthesis of the crypts in general. I'm not sure if that's a typo or that's what the cool kid called. Is that, is that the... The plural for crypto, is it crypts? Or is it just, works for is me. Like the yeah, out? no, I, I get All it. All right, in general. And your thesis for investing, as I said, I own a few myself, so I tend to agree with what you said. We all love confirmation bias, Patrick. However, there is one thing I still don't get, and that is valuation and market cap. E.g., yeah. Bitcoin is at $1.2 trillion. Mm. How do you conceptualise or think about the total market cap when looking at valuation? Or is this something you simply don't bother about? That's a good question. Oh, this is the last question. I'm going to answer this one quickly. This is hard. This is really hard. Um, it's it, it's it's not it's not a business a company. We just can talk about cash flows and that. There's no cash flows here, mm. so that's really hard to value. Um, mm. And then it comes back more fundamentally to what is value. And now we're going to get into the realm of philosophy. I, I don't know. You know, it's it's God. it's hard. Oh, I'm sorry, you know, Patrick. This is your fault. You. <laughs> well, Yum. it 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 kind of is. So it's sort of like. Does Wikipedia have value? Um, they don't make any money. They're, they're, they're mm. funded on things. It definitely mm. got value there. How do you value mm. that though? That's a really interesting question. Um, right. How do you value the local fire service? You know, someone's paying money for that thing. God knows it doesn't make them money. It just bleeds cash. It's, a, it's, it's not any kind. But does, does, does the, the, the AMBO service, does the, does, does the firefighting service have value? Yes, it does. And so the, 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 broad, the broad argument here for me is, is that whether it's something that's, that's becoming a more legitimate uh, store of value, uh, whether it's something that's more legitimately underpinning uh, a lot of the stuff that's going to be done in Web 3.0, I actually don't know what the value is, but I do know 
that if this does gain any widespread adoption, that almost by mm. definition the value has to be significantly more than what it is. Significantly right. more. So if, if the entire – well, not the entire – let's say a significant portion of the internet, internet does transition to this Web 3.0 um, framework, mm. It, mm. by definition it has to have more value, significantly more value. And that's the, that's the bet. Um, so I would never make it if I – it's not a question of, oh, I think it's worth, uh, you know, $97,500 mm. and it's now at $92,000 per Bitcoin, therefore it's, it's cheap. It's more a question of if this transitions to something that is, is, is increasingly seen by institutions, mm. uh, uh, organisations, um, uh, big family offices, it just, and it kind of is. It's kind of, it, mm. you know, it, it's kind of going that way and it becomes more widespread, then, yeah, I, I, I think it, it, just, it has to have not just a bit more value but significantly more value. Can I just say, too, for the record, the vast, mm. vast majority of my money is in stocks. <laughs> Right, I feel as though I get painted as this crypto. I just I think it's a fascinating space, and I think sensible people can have a sensible view on it and a sensible exposure to it if they're going in with the right attitude and with the right expectations. It's it's not about it's it's like so many things. It's not all in or nothing. There's 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 a lot of middle ground. There's a long spectrum to be had there, and it's a very broad conversation. There's so much to get into, but that's my short answer anyway. I just think it's amazing that when I say, what's a share price worth? You say $2.50. And when I ask what Bitcoin's worth, you say, well, what's value anyway? It's, 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 there's, there's an interesting dis- distinction between those two concepts. You don't ask me about the ambulance service when I ask you what you should pay for Woolworths shares, but you're uh, you're happy to dissemble and, and point to philosophical questions when it comes to Bitcoin, yeah, yeah. which is interesting is all yeah, I'm saying. It's hard. It's very hard. <laughs> I like it. Mate, I, just one really quick follow-up because you asked about the market cap. Do you, do you know? Do you care? I mean, a lot of people say, Bitcoin is worth X and they try and evaluate at a system level to make a case. Mm-hmm. And I guess that might be what Patrick's talking about here when people say, well, it's worth this either in a good way, hey, look how much it's worth or it's not worth much because it's only, only worth this and the market, stock market's worth that or currency's worth mm-hmm. that. Um, people use it as a relative measure. Am I, am I right from your answer to assume, and not to extend it for the sake of it, just to try and get the, the number of Patrick's question, am I right saying you kind of don't care so much because it's either worth a quantum more or, or a whole lot less, but probably not the current value. I mean, is it is that kind of the point? Or, you know, if it was, you know, it's 1.2 trillion apparently, according to Patrick, I'll take him at the word. Yeah, it's about that. If it was half a trillion or 20 trillion would, or, or 200 trillion or a gazillion, whatever the next thing is, uh, do, do you care what the system Yeah, I think so. I, uh, yeah, yeah, it matters. Thing is worth? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, I, I, I know okay. I've given this example before and it's an old one, but it's mm. just, it's it's probably the easiest way of looking at it. But let's take every single um, ounce of gold that's ever been mined and let's times right. that by the current price per ounce and we've got a market cap for gold, right? Yep. And that's, that's, that's the sort of the historic store of value. Um, Does it matter though? I mean, no one really ever says... No, no one ever used the market cap of gold before now to make a case for buying or selling it, right? I guess that's why I'm... I, yeah. I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you're wrong to. I'm just giving Patrick's question. He's asking, hey, there is this... People now talking about it as a market cap, as a... As a I think mostly the, the, the pro Bitcoin people are talking about the, the size of it. Somehow that's justified for some reason. Like, no one ever, no one ever bought or sold gold based on the total combined value of gold in existence. Yeah. Not that again, not that they, they were wrong. They might have been wrong as well. You guys might be right. But uh, but it's just interesting that it's becoming part of the part of the case for or sometimes against Bitcoin. It wasn't with gold. Does it does it matter? Does the is it because it's kind of part currency that that people talk about market cap or is it? Is, are they making the case? I, I think I, I just think or? it's it's interesting to draw that analogy because if 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 your argument is it becomes a more widespread adopted legitimate store of value, it gives you something to peg it. Against. It's just as it's just as yes, it's yes. just as made up. 
But if someone yeah. sort of comes up with something that says it's going to be worth a thousand times more than the total market cap of gold, it's like, well, that's kind of how that's okay, that's right. very hard. But when you get to a okay. point where it's kind of like actually it's a, it's it's um, actually don't know what it is at this point in time. But if it's yeah. if it's significantly below that, it's got a long way to run. If mm. that initial thesis proves correct, that is that it, it does go right. much wider spread. So it's an interesting it's an interesting way to sort of uh, to, to look at it at, at that point. Mm. I mean, the real, the real, what you've got here is you've got a bit of a token that if I put in, I feel as though that I'll be able to get so much out at the end of the day. And if enough people think that and there's enough value in that, then maybe you can detach it a little bit from that. It, that mm. if, it, if it serves, if, if it serves its purpose in that particular use case, then it can be pretty much arbitrary as long as I feel as though there's not going to be too too much fluctuation in that. And I'm talking about more at an end stage mm. here, not in the not in the adoption growth phase. Um, yeah, but it, it's a fascinating thing. I, I think the worst, I think if you're someone who is going into this space and you buy something and just because you got super lucky, it's worth 5X from today. I, <laughs> I think that'd be yeah. a really silly thing to sell if, if everything else is, is, and if your fundamental reason for buying it is still continuing to play out because... Um, <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's sort of you're missing the point here. It, it, this isn't something yeah. that you can any sensible person can have. There, there, there are more complex ways, and we just don't have time to dig into it. And you get all yeah. kinds of different valuation. But this, thank God. I mean, I mean, this is true. This is true. Like you take take Morgan Stanley <laughs> and take UBS, and yep. they'll both publish a valuation for BHP, uh-huh. and they could yes. be thirty percent different. Now they both yep. have the same information. They both have mm-hmm. incredibly mm-hmm. smart well-credentialed, well-trained people, and yet they come up with mm-hmm. ve- vastly different answers. Which one's right? Mm. Well, maybe neither of them are right. I, I don't know. Um, and it's, it's, mm. it's, it's sort of like that times a 1,000 on Bitcoin. So it, it's very, 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 very difficult. But, but that's why I try and draw back from that, and it's more about just saying this thing has value in its given use case. If that use case increases, and that's, it's, it, you, you will, by definition, see see that being represented in the price over time. And I think I think the potential for that to be, you know, is this 10% undervalue, 20%? No, if, if that happens, we're probably looking at something that's far, 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 far more significant than that. And that's why I'm sort of happy to have a small exposure to it. Does that make Very sense? Nice. I don't know. <laughs> yes, it does. No, no, it's it hard, it's it hard to do quickly. Does. Yeah. It, ab- it absolutely does. It absolutely does. I... Um Yes, it does. Oh, we did have one one correspondent to who we talked about the Bitcoin ETF or crypto ETF, who made the point that it was actually an ETF with crypto related companies in yeah. it. Um, was a new one apparently being launched. I, I made the kind of just general um, speculation about uh, you know a, a, an ETF of cryptos would would see more money chasing the same number of assets and should push prices up. And you kind of agreed yeah, with that. Yeah. Um, and the sure correspondent time. was saying, oh, actually, the new the new ETF is just going to be companies. Yeah. Um, I actually agree. I wasn't I wasn't talking about that particular ETF, or if I Accidentally did link the two together. I didn't mean to. Um, there will be cryptocurrency ETFs sooner rather than later. Mm. Um, not that particular one, which is about which companies that deal with cryptocurrency. Which, by the way, if I was going to do it, I would actually do something like that. I think you can, you can get some of the upside of the picks and shovels yeah. of crypto, particularly with businesses that already have existing, whether it's like a, a, a payment systems or or tech companies like Nvidia or something that do do stuff with that mm. sort of stuff. Mm. Anyway, just wanted to cover that as well because we got the question about it, mate. We are well and truly done. We're over time. The good news is I left the Bitcoin stuff till the end, so people who are still here are the true believers. <laughs> Everyone else got to turn off early, so that's always positive. Uh, please do follow us on the socials. Please do send us your questions and comments. We really appreciate it. I gave you my socials, the Motley Fool socials, earlier. I didn't exclude Rams because it wasn't important, just because he doesn't normally field the mailbag questions. So they were for me. If you want to get in touch with Ram, do so at Sage underscore Simeon and 
at Strawman Invest. You really do want to follow Andrew. You want to follow Strawman. Uh, they're doing good things in, in a good way. Thanks, mate. These, uh, look, there are a, a, a small but important number of good guys in the space. Uh, they include Andrew and hopefully The Motley Fool. We're trying to do the right thing by, the, by people. I uh, hope you invest better and try and do it at a, in a pretty decent way. So follow Andrew. You should. Cool. Until next week, mate. Full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.